Good day, listeners. This is your host, Michael Martins, with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting this morning from another frosty spring morning here in south-central British Columbia. In today's episode, we will examine a series of topics working to uncover the cause of some very important global events, namely the cyclical cataclysmic history of planet Earth that led to the recurrent ice ages and major extinction events. We will also learn why the foundation of this knowledge base is being suppressed by the CIA. Our guest for today's episode is researcher and author, Mr. Douglas Voigt. Mr. Voigt is a science writer and researcher and a professional member of the Geological Society of America. He has been studying the causes of the geomagnetic reversals and ice ages since 1971. He is the first person in 2,584 years to find the real Mount Sinai and all of the altars Moses mentions in the Torah. He is also one of the few people who has read the journals Science, Nature, and Geology from the 1950s through the 1990s. What he repeatedly noticed that many times the journal articles contradicted what was taught in the textbooks. Mr. Void is trying to get other scientists to look at reality differently because, in fact, we do not have the luxury of a lot of time. Mr. Void, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time today, and it's a great pleasure to chat with you. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Excellent. So you produce an incredible amount of information. Uh, perhaps we could begin today uh, with you providing us a little more background on yourself and how you became interested in this field of study. Uh, some of my friend, uh, Gary Sultan, he is an electrical engineer and, and uh, gifted mathematician. And he had the idea of, of that, what if our reality is something like a videotape or a television where... Um, Reality is really someplace else and it's transmitted. And uh, it culminated in me doing about three more years, four more years of research. And I wrote the book, the first book, called Reality Revealed, The Theory of Multidimensional Reality. It's out of print right now, but you can get used copies from Amazon between $500 or $600 up to $1,400. And uh, uh, I had sent... Uh, I had figured out that the sun, and there was a clock cycle going through time. I didn't know the exact number of years yet of that clock cycle, but I, it explained everything that I knew of uh, up to that time. So uh, it was copyright 1977, printed January of 1978. We sent a copy to uh, Luis Alvarez, um, Nobel Prize winner in physics, taught at um, Berkeley. His son also teaches geology at Berkeley, too. And uh, I had sent them copies of the book. Within about five or six months after, I got a, a call from a guy who was first Fort Lewis. They wanted me to go down there. That's kind of a funny story. I've told it in the, in the videos. I didn't bite. I didn't go down to look for any ghosts in their museum. So a guy called me up about two, three weeks later. And... Uh, Wanted to know the first thing, almost first thing out of his mouth is, how did I figure it all out? And uh, later in the discussion, I said, well, who do you work for? Who did you work for? He says, well, I used to work for the CIA. Well, he's still working for the CIA. That's why the Army called me to want to go down there. So um, then I knew I was on, on the right track. In the next umpteen years up to when I wrote uh, God's Day of Judgment, the uh, uh, real cause of global warming that was copyrighted in 2007 and it was out by latter part of 2007. Uh, then I had figured out just about everything. 
the uh, how how many years the clock cycle was 12,068. I found the 12,068 number embedded in the Torah as a code, and uh, that's in video series um, six on Moses Ten Code Systems, and uh, um, just about everything else. By then, I had I had funded two expeditions to the Sinai. And uh, in 97 and 99, and uh, I found uh, the real Mount Sinai. It's not a mountain. It's more like a hill. And, and it, I found all of the altars. I found the sacrificial altar, the uh, platform where the candle stand was, the bread stand. Um, ironically, I figured out on the second expedition that the... It, Moses had covered up Abraham's real altar inside the sacrificial altar. So the second time I went, I did it on the full moon. And when the Egyptians were sleeping, I went up on top of the shovel and I dug it out of the slit trench on the western side. And lo and behold, there was Abraham's altar. And Moses gave all the clues for it. Nobody had ever figured this thing out. I don't think anybody had, had seen it since Moses buried it underneath uh, his sacrificial altar, which makes sense. Uh, I found the first altar he did at the uh, western end of the hill. I found Aaron's altar, as well as the platform where the golden calf was, no more than about four or five feet from the edge of the wadi. And in, in Exodus and stuff like he gives all the clues. I mean, everything was there exactly as he described it. You had to figure out the length, the real length of, an, uh, of the sacred cubit, which turned out to be 24.136 inches. But it, that's what it is. I mean, it's just, it's an unusual story of the whole thing. But when you think, how could religious stuff be related to polarversal and cataclysm? Well, it is because embedded in the Torah, all the measurements and a lot of all the other numbers represents that, num that root number 12,068, you ignore the decimal points and or half the number, like half the number is 6,034. So the number of chapters and verses in the Torah is 6,034. Yeah. And it goes on and on like that. It's all explained in the book. And also, I was very uh, generous and put much of this information on the videos in Diehole Foundation channel there. Just have to know which, which section is which. And if you click on the description area, it has all the videos of extremely brief description because they only give me 5,000 characters to go right. That's it. <laughs> so um, my background is I graduated as, as a business major in accounting. And I really started studying the subject in 1969. I graduated in, in June of 70. But I, uh, I've been studying this thing since. I started with Eric Von Danica's book, then I read and bought um, Ignatius Donnelly's two books. Uh, I've read Vilikoski, and he was wrong about Venus being a comet. Uh, it has an atmosphere when this dust shell from the sun hits it after the time of the Nova, it blows a lot of the atmosphere away and also to the back of it. So if you looked at the Earth, we'd look like we have a tail too, but the gravity brings it all back. So the tail goes bye-bye. But that's why he thought it, but he described the legends from various civilizations saying it had a tail and stuff like that was probably correct. It may have been there for maybe 500 or 1,000 years, so they had a chance to see that. 
but it's not a comet. It's a planet with an atmosphere. Um, it, it, this is a complicated story. The reason why no one figured this thing out is because <clears throat> the science philosophy that we have all been taught in school has been this matter-oriented theory of existence. But you don't know why we have it. If you watch video series 12, part one, you're going to know how. It was basically this Aristotelian philosophy. There's only one Greek that mentions the real Aristotle, and that as, as an admiral in Alexander the Great's navy. Uh, one of the later Roman uh, uh, emperors, Opium, um, is writing under a pen name, and he winds up listening, saying, there were eight Aristotles. I identified all eight. And you have to understand why they did it. It's, <clears throat> they had a, Pluto's philosophy is really the Jewish philosophy. You have an idea of an apple, say like information, and then you have the physical manifestation in this dimension of an apple. But they're totally separate. That's why he put the uh, analogy of the, the cave, looking at the shadows in the cave and stuff like that. That's what this all means. Okay. Piso, Arius Calpurnius Piso, wanted to bring both together. So the idea of God is one of the same as the physical manifestation of it. That's, that's why he, he did it, as well as all his relatives. So everybody was fooled by it, including from, from uh, Newton on. And I have in video series one, and also the last, last couple I did, I showed, I showed the biggest names in physics, Einstein, uh, Maxwell, all of them knew something was wrong. They didn't, they didn't know what, they didn't know how to figure it out. Even Stephen Hawking's, I quoted him, I wouldn't say he was a great scientist. He really more of a mathematician. Basically, he said he couldn't even imagine what kind of a science it would be. That was the problem. They, everybody has been taught to only think one way, a matter-oriented theory of existence. Not that it's information that creates the matter world, right down to the atom. And we're, in essence, in like a hologram, but we call this hologram matter. And superimposed the amount of matter world, the three-dimensional world, is what we call a soul for us, which are fourth-dimensional beings. So you have two transmitted, two informations transmitted to the same coordinates in time and space. They couldn't perceive it. They couldn't figure it out. But if you watch some video series one, I basically take apart nuclear physics, this nonsense of particles. It's not particles. It's the demodulation of the different frequencies that make up these atoms, and there's thousands of them. So I don't blame these people for what happened. They had the disadvantage of a philosophy. The philosophy is this. This is a perfect analogy. Let's say you have a 10,000-piece puzzle. Now, they give you a picture what this thing looks like. If you didn't have the picture, the picture is the philosophy. Then you pick up a piece, and you wouldn't know where to put it. Gee, where do I stick this thing other than up my rear end? And that's the problem. The philosophy, you have to have the right philosophy. So you pick up or you observe a phenomenon. And I was able to put 
it where it belongs. They couldn't, including the causes of Ice Age polar reversal. Why the Ice Age happens immediately after a reversal and the mass extinction and creation of new species. They can't explain that one. They never will. So, so you're, you're referring here to your theory of multidimensional reality that you have um, used right. as, as an explanation of the universe as opposed to the uh, matter-based uh, universal right. precept. Yeah, okay, okay. And yeah, that, you, have to find, you have to find the error. What, what went wrong? What diverted man? Is it a fork in the road? They went the wrong way. Simple as that. Right, right. And I think it's important, too, before we proceed much further, um, to inform the listeners as to the etymology of the word cataclysm. Um, it's a Greek word, kat- cataclysmos, which means combustion of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I give you a hint what they're talking about. It's not a little bonfire. We're talking the sun cooking the place. And that's why there's so many legends worldwide. That's in video series five. <clears throat> That go there. They all they all mention the sun, or they're on the dark side, and they know something terrible happened. Right, right, and of course, um, as you discussed uh, in, in the intro, there you had a visit from a potentially uh, retired CIA, but may have been an active CIA member. And, he was active. Uh, yeah, and so there, there seems to be a, he couldn't get into into Fort Lewis. That's why they wanted to come down there, unless he's active. They want to know something about me. Sure, <laughs> sure. And so there, there seems to be a very interesting connection that you've identified between the CIA, NASA, and the National Science Foundation. Uh, <laughs> what, what is the ramifications of this discovery on basically everything that follows uh, that association? Uh, I put that in part five of series four. What the government knows and what they've done. What they've done is basically... Um, the sequence of events is this. Glassberg cycle, when the sun went nuts, was December 1957. And for over a four or five day period, and I showed it on the video, we had like 400, uh, 350 sunspots on the sun. This is, it's incredible. <clears throat> Talk about global warming. The growing season, that season, was extended by 30 days had nothing to do with your hibachi, your SUV, your breathing too much, and cow farts. No, it's the sun is the only heat source of the surface of the earth. Volcanoes aren't enough. Trust me on this. So what happened was, it went on through January. They had a royal borealis that were red, and they saw them in Europe. Scared the crap out of everybody. Every, every country joined a group called the International Geophysical Year. We put a postage stamp out. I show it on the video, except it had the sun flaring and burning up, and it had from Michelangelo's beautiful painting on the ceiling of the 16th chapel, where the God's finger is just about touching man's finger. Yeah, and it's like saying, "God, please don't cook us." And and that basically that basically was it. I mean, it's just they knew something terrible was going to happen. One of my uh, fans of my first book wrote to me, Ken Kuzman. <clears throat> His cousin was an astrophysicist from the University of Alaska up in, up in um, Fairbanks. And I actually think I know who it is and the journal articles he wrote, because I, I read so much of journal science and nature. 
I, I think I got him. And anyway, he told him over coffee in uh, Seattle that uh, they knew the son was going to know, but they didn't know how or when. They didn't know. All they could do was collect information. Now, that's before I came up with a drop dead day. So what happened, the sequence of events, which is important, <clears throat> the uh, uh, government wound up, within three or four months, they created that postage stamp. By, by July, Congress passed the bill that created NASA. Now, they started writing it about March. Within three months, they had it, and it passed, and that was the whole purpose of NASA. And the reason why it stopped doing anything after they brought the samples back from the, the, the moon is they wanted to see if the sun periodically nova. And so uh, when they got the samples back in 1969, <clears throat> within two months of them landing, by then they already had the samples and they tested them. And I showed the glass beads. They had fission tracks which is not from impacts, and also about five different radioactive elements, beryllium, aluminum, stuff like that, <clears throat> that doesn't come from impacts. In fact, there's, I have numerous journal articles that say, this isn't impact stuff at all. Uh, Professor Thomas Gold had a conference with NASA. He wrote a paper. I mention it. I'll send it to people. And he says, if there was a near NOVA, would explain all these small craters found on the surface of the moon, which is basically like a glass, it was a glass thing. Imagine glass blobs hitting the moon really fast and of all sizes, <clears throat> and it splatters when it hits the surface of the moon and makes a little tiny crater, all glass. So they, uh, they canceled this contract shortly thereafter and because he said the thing that they didn't want anyone to know. <clears throat> So anyway, um, they had uh, the astronauts who were on the moon, and, and circle the three of them, had a news conference two months after they, they got all the samples back. And they looked like they were all at a funeral. It was, everybody's commented on that. Why are they so scared? Two of them were sad. Two of them were actually walking on the moon. They came back. No. They looked like they were at a funeral because they must have been told what they were walking on that crunched glass and stuff in the glass beads. And in fact, one of them actually was told to say, we were never on the moon. They, they create their own disinformation to cloud the issue, to get stupid people thinking that because they doubt it that we were ever on the moon. The Russians say we're on the moon. There's a mirror up there. You can reflect a laser off of it. They have the Americans were there. That's it. So, and within 30 days, this is the key part. Nixon, President Nixon, had Executive Order 11,490, and I show and I list it in the video and a link for it too. And I read I read a lot of executive orders, <clears throat> and lo and behold, he basically set the thing up. His big mistake was he gave this project to keep it a secret to the last organization he should have given it to. He gave it to the CIA. Now, what does a spy agency do? They lie and deceive in order to get information. The problem here is this. This is a science problem, 
is not a situation where you're getting information out of a foreign country. It's the job should have been given to NOAA, NASA, and USGS, the Geological Survey. And they should have been told, okay, look for evidence that has to do with the last Ice Age polarversal and look for 12,000-year cycles in the carbon-14 dating. <clears throat> That's what I did. But I did it through the journals, reading all these journals from the mid-50s all the way about the mid-90s. So that's what happened. And after that, they started building these DUMBS, D-U-M-B-S. They stand for survival caves <laughs> to save their ass. And uh, they, what shocked them uh, was when I was doing the video series four, uh, I got done with the meat and potatoes of it about April or May of 2019. And within three months, uh, DARPA, which is Defense Research Organization, <coughs> started a cave contest. And it was, they had an award. They wanted companies or individuals or universities to come up with a fully autonomous robot to go through to be able to go through a cave system identify uh reading signs objects maneuver through obstacles and record what it's, it's doing the key part was this they had dummies some laying down and some propped up on the side of a cave wall it was a mine cave that was being run by the corps of engineers by the way and uh, they uh, uh, had some of the dummies heated and some not heated. Now, a light bulb should go off in your head at this point. They want to see who's dead or alive. Now, why? Why fully autonomous? Okay. Then it gets kind of funny also. They had QR codes in the beginning of the, the tunnel system. So the robots had to recognize QR codes and those are probably addresses of where that mine entrance is, where it's starting off. Now, it's outside. My guess is probably the QR codes are also on the inside. So the robot could see, okay, I know what entrance I'm at. And I'm going to start from there and go on. Now, what freaked them out was this. Oh, I'll continue. The, the, that was in August was their, their first contest. Get everybody together. August of and sorry, Doug, what year are we talking now? That was 2019. 2020, uh, August, they had another trial of whoever survived this thing. They raised the, it, it first started about like two or $300,000 award. The next year, 2020, they increased it to, I think it's like $1.3 million. And then in 2021, supposedly the final they, they want just the program. They don't care what you, what you build. They already had their own built thing. <clears throat> they want the program. So they raised it to, it was either 82 or $83 million. That gives you a sign of desperation that you didn't really expect. But that's, that's what happened. So they knew that they had a real problem. The problem they had was two things. Since they had an incorrect picture of what happens during 
a nova and a, and a polar reversal. They didn't know about the ocean rushing over them. And this would be the Pacific rushing from west to east. And they didn't know about the Ice Age. They didn't get it in their heads. But this is the problem when you have paid contractors within the CIA to do research and they have no idea why they're there. They want the government contract and they don't know where to start other than they start at the legends and the mythologies, which could throw you off. That's what that, that idea of the Chen Thomas's Adam and Eve story is nothing more than they were doing these reports before the stuff came back from the moon. And they started with the legends and the myths. What happened? They had various ideas and theories. And once they realized oh, this guy is totally wrong, he worked for the CIA. And by the way, his book was never copyrighted. His name does not show up in the copyright journals at all. He never copyrighted anything. And the reason is, is he can't. He's an employee of the federal government. The federal government owns it. You don't have the right to copyright it. That's why he didn't do it. He didn't want to lose his job. And the unsophisticated or not very smart people, oh, this must be right. Look, they censored it. It's a joke because the thing they unclassified included a shopping list, news clippings. That's how little they thought this crap that this Chen Thomas did. Not kidding. I mean, just... It's, I can't understand why people would even believe this crap. That's the whole, at Hapgood's thing, where he winds up having a forward that IB, uh, Einstein approved it. The book was copyrighted in 1959. Do you know when Einstein died? It was well before that, wasn't it? April, 1955. Yeah. Einstein never saw it, never saw the book. He must have seen just a letter, and that's it that may have had outlined an idea, which means Hapgood lied. Einstein never saw his book, just flat out lied. That's what happened, to sell the book. Interesting. So this is the crap that's also in the Adam and Eve story. It shows you how desperate they were. They had no idea what's going on, nothing. Again, it's back to philosophy, you see a phenom phenomena when you got like 10 mythologies around the world that talk about a great flood and you don't know where to place that or how you could place it geophysically or geo geologically, you're lost. Absolutely lost. They don't know what to look for. So let's look at this uh, clock cycle that you've identified and, and you've mentioned the Gleisberg cycle. L let's touch base on those. And, and it's interesting that the, the periodicity uh, closely resembles the, peri the periodicity of the precession of the equinoxes as well. The, the way I found the clock cycle was 1989. By my theory, I first thought I'd be able to see stars that novid on these clock cycles. So to show you I'm such a glutton in punishment, uh, scholastic punishment, I went and, and got Sky and Sky 2000 atlas and i made a database of all known stars open clusters and globular clusters in our galaxy that they had in that book but then and i made a database and i uh uh then i found something interesting uh oh first i found something called bach globulars 
they're called now planetary nebulas, where it was like a dark area, cloud, and you couldn't see what was inside of it, but you knew it was a star. Because they call them later planetary nebulas. But what's interesting, they were all between, they estimate between, uh, was it 11 to 13,000 light years away? That's figured out by triangulation. <clears throat> so I said, okay, maybe when a star novas, the dust shell, the matter shell that's around the star expands and you can't see it for a period of time, maybe a few hundred years, maybe a thousand years. And lo and behold, I found six blank periods in space that no stars were visible. Four of the six were literally 12,068 light years apart from the beginning of one to the beginning of the next blank period goes on and on. And that's what I discovered. Now, let me explain the significance of finding the clock cycle. <clears throat> you can take your nuclear physics books and shred them or rip them up and use them for zigzags or whatever you smoke. Because, oh, you're smiling, <laughs> you know about zigzags. Okay. <clears throat> they, because once you find the clock cycle, it means that the universe is the product of information. I don't have to go beyond that, but I have so much more to prove it. It eats their guts out. The next thing is this on, on the sun side. Uh, the solar cycle is 11.09.1 years. Um, eight of those is a Gleisberg cycle. So a Gleisberg cycle is 88.73 years, a little tiny old. 136 Gleisberg cycles is 12,068 years. So I'll explain. Sunspot cycle is in computer language is called a resynchronizing frequency. <laughs> the Gleisberg is a synchronizing frequency and there's more than one. There's, there's one that looks like maybe 3,000 years and, and and um, maybe a thousand years also, something like that. And then you have all of them geared to the main clock cycle. The next Gleisberg cycle will be between September and December 2046. I found an exact date in the Torah, in Genesis area. <laughs> I'll explain how I found it. Um, uh, Whenever the Torah mentions something the first time, it's the most important. So it mentions months and days at the time of Noah, when the cataclysm happened then, where it's, uh, it says the second month, the 17th day. We don't care. How, how do you know? What do we care the second month, 17th year? What year is it? Okay. How did I find the year? A little scary. When you take which shows you the Torah's entire code book. From when Adam had his third son and everybody else had his first son all the way down to Abraham, when you total all those numbers up, and I showed them the video, it's in the book, total 2046. Now, how did the month of May come out? Well, I estimate that the, the past of the Exodus was 1306 BCE. The Orthodox Jews think it was 1311 
BC. We're all for about four or five years, and I think I know why. And I mentioned it. And I'm working on volume four, which explains some of this. Um, they, they, uh, they were off, and they missed a a leap year. A leap month is the lunar calendar has a leap, has three leap months. They missed one. So it turned out that the sec the beginning of the second month for that year would have been um, September 30th is the new moon. So the 17th day would be October 16th. So, uh, and I had a year. I knew the Gleisberg was going to be 2046. And here was the same year. So I had a month, a day, and a year. So what happened next is, I'm not going to say how I discovered this, because uh, I don't want people focusing on me at all. I went back every 12,068 days from that drop dead date of October 16, 2046. And what did I find? About 50 plus events that happened on that cycle or a cycle and a half, all the way back in time, all the way to when Terra, Terra and even when the Romans Roman uh, um, emperor renamed Jerusalem. And it goes on and on like that. And even the number of years between important dates. And that's what happened. It's just, it's irrefutable. It, it's just further proof that why would the operating system do this? Because the number of cases I have years between events is just staggering. If you're the operating system of the universe, how do you tell your creation that you exist and what power you have? The only way it can do that is to make events happen at a, in a pattern. So you have no way of escaping that somebody is making events happen exactly the way they want. Now, I'll give you, for instance, four cycles back was August 18th or 17th or 18th. It's in the book. There's so many numbers I can remember and then it falls out, you know. I'm 74 years old. I'm, it's like putting 10 gallons in a five-gallon container. These are going to fall out. <laughs> so far, I'm, I'm okay. This is even after catching COVID back in August of last year. So anyway, what um, <clears throat> that was the date, August 18, uh, 1914. Yeah, 1914 that Woodrow Wilson gave his neutrality speech in front of the Senate. Now, World War I started August 8th, the guns of, uh, of August, you know. And what happened was um, they, okay, so during World War I, the British promised the Jews to have a, a country west of the Jordan River. The British reneged because they found oil in Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabians said, if you do that, you're not getting any of our oil. So the British did everything they could to keep the Jews out of Palestine, even encouraged Arab revolts against the Jews, like in Hebron, where they murdered a whole bunch. Didn't bother the British at all, none whatsoever. 
Same thing at close of World War II. They wound up sinking a ship full of escapees from the concentration camps, as well as stopping a sinking ship that was about to land in, uh, in Palestine or Israel. I mean, they're not very nice people. At least their leadership stinks. Anyway, so the British signed, how did World War II start? This is the heavy hand of God. You know, the British were, they, their empire was all over the world. So, World War II. <clears throat> the British signed a, a mutual defense pact with Poland August 25th, 1939. Seven days later, uh, September 1, Germany invades Poland. So does Russia also invaded Poland from the other side. That's why the Poles are really freaked out now. So uh, that was the beginning of World War II, formally from for the British and stuff like that. Now, they wanted arms and stuff like that because they were going to lose to Germany. So they came to, uh, to uh, FDR and they wanted arms. So we had a land lease act, but where we, <clears throat> we gave them, we sold them arms of all types. <laughs> In that agreement, we forced the British after the war, to give up all their colonies. They had to give them independence. They hated our guts for that, especially India. So um, that's how God gets even. Now, the story isn't done yet. What happened, so remember that date, August 25th, 1939. Exactly, because uh, remember, the British were supposed to create a state of Israel, west of the Jordan, but they reneged. God punishes them, which I hope God does not punish the United States, and he wound up uh, exactly 3,017 days from August 25th, 39, to November 30th, 1947. That 3,017 is exactly one quarter that number, 12,068 is when the UN voted to create the state of Israel, period. So we got World War II, the deaths of, in Europe, probably 30, 35 million people, all because the British reneged and didn't do what they were promising to do. So what happened to Britain? Its whole empire is basically one island. That's how they got punished, and justly so, for what they did. That's it. Will countries learn that? No. But this is how the operating system works. There's many more stories. Like, for instance, the, the creation of the United States was an act of God. Uh, Washington said so. Even when Humphrey Gilver had the contract, the charter, to develop the new world for the British, he didn't do anything with it. Sir Walter Raleigh bought it from him. Guess what the date was that they had the agreement? was on one of those cycles exactly. That's what we're talking about, a program, and the operating system has total control. Interesting. That's what so, it is. Even when we adopted the, the, the Great Seal of the United States, uh, it was on that day, one of those cycles. It was on and on and on like that. Interesting, interesting. So what, what effect does this clock cycle have on the sun then? It novus. <laughs> There's no... There's no mini-nova. You can call a mini-nova 
call it a Gleisberg cycle or something else. It's a nova, and some novas are bigger than others, I'm sure. Fortunately, unfortunately, we only have to live through one of them, the one that's going to be in 24 years and seven months. You know, do the math. Sure. Sure. So walk us through walk us through what uh, may happen during this. Uh, I guess it's the it's the sort of completion of the Gleisberg cycle or the or the pinnacle where the sun goes through its nova process. <laughs> what happens is the following, and that's all in video series four. The last two I put up in part ten um, was <clears throat> explains what happened as you have this collapsing magnetic field. Um, every every knows electronics knows when you have a collapsing magnetic field, you have ninety degrees out of phase from that electrical electrical field. So this is happening in the center of the Earth as well as the center of the Sun. So what happens is, as the collapsing magnetic field happens, it creates a lot of information. But in the core of the Earth, there's no there's no solid iron core. That's beyond stupid. It's only because you learn in third grade to fourth grade about a, a bar magnet. Oh, that's what must be in the middle of the Earth. It's not. <clears throat> and, and I explain why in, in the videos, scientifically why. Um, so what happens is the atoms try to come to existence near that, the core of the Earth, which really is center modulation point. And, but it's too high the potential. So it demodulates, but what did it leave behind? Electrons. And you have a tremendous amount of electrons. The electrons go out into the inner core of the uh, inner mantle and then the outer mantle, but, and, and it heats it up. The electrons basically heat up the atoms that can form and it gets hotter and hotter. So before the cycle happens, you'll have an increase in earthquakes, volcanoes, which we're now having, I'm surprised how many, and I said this, in my first book, Reality Revealed, besides God's Day of Judgment book. By the way, God's Day of Judgment book was indexed by the Library of Congress with a name like God's Day of Judgment, The Real Cause of Global Warming. They index a Q175, which is philosophy of science. <clears throat> so you can get an idea who's indexing my books. The first one, Reality Revealed, was first indexed cyclic, uh, psychic phenomena. It was, I was on a radio show, Laura Lee show, and later, and they had two radio stations near Washington, D.C. And I went there in 94, uh, April of 94, and they told the Library of Congress said, your book was reclassified Q175 on April 4th by an intelligence agency. How many people you know, authors, had their books reclassified by an intelligence agency. <clears throat> Not too many, huh? The, the funniest of all is got to be my, my book, Creation of the Hebrew Alphabet, which is, you think, okay, index, alphabet, stuff like that, Hebrew, no. QA76, that's mathematics, .889, which is quantum computing. So a book titled God's uh, Creation of the Hebrew Alphabet is indexed quantum computing. Now you get an idea of what I discovered. The Torah is a computer program to program a light-based computer. That's what the technology was 
which was buried inside that cave. Interesting. So, so back to the, the events um, surrounding this uh, Gleisberg cycle where the sun novas, what's happening here on earth as that is taking place? Okay. You'll have, like I mentioned, you're going to have more earthquakes and more volcanoes because the heat source in the center is going to percolate up. Now, during sunspot maxima, I had noticed there was a delay between a large number of sunspots and earthquakes on the earth by about five to six months, seven months. <clears throat> um, you'll also have, since the sun is going to be producing more heat, you'll have more hurricanes, tornadoes, everything that means evaporation of ocean water and it dropping someplace. So you're going to have both things. Um, this sunspot cycle, I guess, is going to be um, sometime around fall of late summer, fall of 2022. And it's going to be, I hope not terrible, but we have a delay, a, 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 a collapsing magnetic field. It's not like it was in 1859, which I think was like 35,000 nanoteslas. Now it's collapsing exponentially. So it means more energy coming from the sun. And we could have, uh, the next video I'm going to do is on how to prepare your home and your, your electronics for a, uh, uh, another major solar flare or solar outburst, a Carrington event. But um, as we get closer to the reversal, if we can have a Carrington event that's like two, three times worse than it was 150 years ago. So it's, uh, I think people should be warned to, so they can prepare for it. Um, and also have to protect their house. Uh, they're not going to be in electrical. <laughs> Electricity is not going to be going around. I mean, it, it'll be down for a while. <clears throat> sure. So, yeah, I mean, but, but anyway, that's, that's basically what's going to happen on the earth, on the sun. It's just, it's anybody's guess how bad this solar cycle is going to be. The, the joke was some people were saying that was, it's going to be a, a, a minor minimum where the sun doesn't produce much energy, that I'd say is a total lie. They know better than that. And it turned out it's going to be a, a real humdinger. <clears throat> Interesting. And not this, be pretty at all. And so the, the, as, we, as, the, the, as we approach this event here and, and the sun does its uh, Nova event, um, there's an outburst of, uh, like a, an instantaneous outburst of energy, or does this, this take place over a period of time, or, or how does that manifest? Observing stars that have Nova, one day it's fine, the next day it gives off tens of thousands of times more energy than it did the day before. Now, it's going to build up a little bit. Uh, the actual reversal time may only be about six to eight hours. At that point, the Earth stops its rotation. And I explain why, but I'm going to probably have to do a better scientific reason or reason why it does. But uh, that's the thing that causes the ice ages. That's what causes all the deep sea canyons around all of the continents. That's what they say. Well, we have inertia and stuff like that, but we're not dealing with that. The inertia and the rotation of the Earth has something to do with the magnetic field and the phasing of one of these carrier waves that carries a lot of information. When evidently it reverses, it stops motion, and then it goes in the other direction. There's at least 
10 legends that talk about the sun. Some of them blatantly say it used to rise in the west and what's rising in the east. I mean, they the survivors lived through it and they know which side, which horizon the sun came up and set. And, and that's the point. They can't explain it. But the thing they really can't explain, this is the, the 10 ton elephant in the room that those who say, well, I, can't, I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. My degree says I can't believe it. It's simple. Those deep sea canyons go right down to the bottom of the Atlantic and the Pacific. And I showed some of them. And uh, the only way that can be is a river channel. Is that there's no ocean water there. There's only one way that can happen. Or stops its rotation and all that water, in this case, will be going in an easterly direction. That's why. And it goes to the other side of the continent and then drops off. And then cuts this big channel. And then you have a backsplash also. It's just, it's a complicated thing, but that's how those deep sea canyons are created. And the government knows it. Why do you think the Navy built that deep sea uh, diving thing? What was the name of it? And uh, to, to go down to the Hudson River Canyon, like four or 5,000 feet down, and they saw logs and rocks and stuff like that but detected absolutely no current. So this, these logs got jammed down in this canyon well before when there was no water there. So they know it, I know it, and now the people who have watched my videos and read the books, they know it. That's the 10 ton elephant in the room. They can't explain it, they hope it goes away. Don't look here, it's like, the Wizard of Oz. Don't look at the guy behind the curtain manipulating. In this case, it's the CIA, unfortunately. I feel sorry for the agency that, would, that they were dumped with this job. They should never have been doing this. <clears throat> They're the ones who directed, one, probably the depopulation of the, of the world, two, to build these things, and they didn't understand. They spent well over $21 trillion of our tax dollars on building something and they were in the wrong location they're going to be covered with well new york city they think 12,000 years ago had a, an ice field that was 5,000 feet deep 5,000 feet thick in seattle we had one was about 4,000 feet thick <laughs> the the hard pan in my backyard looked like asphalt it was like five to six feet down and i needed a backhoe to cut through it it looked just like hard uh, like asphalt except not black but that's it they didn't know the whole picture so they wasted a lot of money on probably the world's most expensive tombs mm. now I understand why DARPA created the contest they know they can't get to the front door and the people inside can't get out the door so they have to wind up having some robot there they can turn on remotely and go through the cave system and see if anybody's alive. Interesting. That's so they built the wrong place. With, with this, with this um, reversal of the Earth's rotation, that then continues in its in its new direction until the next time it is reversed. Then is that am I, am I understanding correct? See how smart you are. You figured <laughs> it out. You connected the two dots. It's alternate. We even have in the book I mentioned evidence of sea creatures, little tiny shelled animals that rotate that curl one way and then after a reversal they curl the other way right, right. 
There's so many ways you can see and figure this thing out. They don't know when they see this, they couldn't figure out why. I did. I had no problem figuring it out at all. And and then and then how how do the ice ages then manifest through this process? Is it the the volume of water that's thrown out, or or how is this how is this occurring? Well, it's not thrown out. It's <clears throat> when you have a star that novas ninety three million miles away, it's going to get a little hot. And one of my videos in series series six, I think part five, series sorry, series four, part five. I don't want to get too confused on my own stuff. <clears throat> There's a lot of it. Oh, I know. Yeah, I got a list of what I have here, but yeah, I can't remember. I, I only vaguely remember what's in each one of them. But anyway, um, what happens is the sun novas. It evaporates. Well, I know at least 450 feet of ocean water the last time, uh, because we have fossil records and and other records of shorelines that are. 450 feet down off of the coast of, of Vietnam, I think, as much as 470, 80 feet of water. Now, more than 480 feet were evaporated. <clears throat> Some comes back within the week by rains, massive rains. So what happens, you've got a tremendous amount of water that's evaporated. It goes in the upper atmosphere. Some escapes by that dust shell that hits the Earth about... I estimate 17 to 18 hours after the actual Nova, it, it travels at about 1,500 to 1,600 miles per second. Wow. And it evaporates some of the, uh, removes some of the atmosphere on the sun side, and then pushes some of this water vapor out. That's the cause of comets. They're like big, dirty snowballs. The Japanese and uh, over the Europeans and us landed on it, one of them, I think it was um, P67, I think the number is. <clears throat> and it's made up of the little tiny glass beads again, and water molecules. And I think the explosion they had in, in Russia, um, in Siberia, with Tang Tanguska, Tanguska, was probably a comet. As it entered the atmosphere, it heated up. And enough of it heated up internally that it created a steam explosion and exploded. That's why they don't see a meteor there because it was a comet and it just, there's a huge steam explosion, basically. You should be able to see a lot of little glass beads all over the place in the sediment, but that's another story. Um, anyway, uh, that's basically what's what happens, you have all this water that's evaporated. It starts cooling down. Now, after, after the Nova, you've got, you'll be seeing the center modulation point in the sun, what it really is. And, but it's not going to give up much heat, not infrared. It's mostly ultraviolet. So it doesn't produce much heat. So for a period of time, I don't know if it's going to be a, a couple of solar cycles. It's going to be cold. And it's going to be cold enough that all that water vapor is going to start snowing and snowing and snowing. I figured out in Seattle to have an ice field that's 4,000 feet thick, the ratio between snow and glacial ice was about 4.68 to 1. So it meant Seattle had 
about 19,400 feet of snow. This is not a normal snowfall. This is not when they say the Ice Age, oh yeah, it got cold by five degrees centigrade. This is nonsense. These, are, these people are stupid. I don't care if they got a degree or how many degrees they got there, beyond stupid. They can't figure this thing out. That, that's what you're dealing with. So it keeps snowing for maybe decades until all that moisture is wrung out of the atmosphere. Now, the reason why I tell people try to, to build the cave systems within 16 degrees of the equator is because that ocean water is still going to be a lot warmer than up by the northern Atlantic or mid-Atlantic. And you need the warm water to mediate some of the snow. So you'll have rain instead, and but you're not going to have the snow until later. You're going to have still snow. There's evidence of snow even around the equator. In fact, uh, with a journal article I found, there was a ice dam when the Blue and White Nile meet in uh, south of Egypt. Sudan, I think it is. And when that ice dam broke, it, it, it had a lake behind it that went all the way to Lake Victoria, which is on the equator, and it scoured out part of the Nile down to bedrock. And so we know it snowed there <laughs> in, in Africa, around the equator. I just don't know how much. I'm trying to give people a fighting chance that the few that do make it, if I can get a couple hundred thousand people to survive this thing, and, and our technology, we have to go back to the Stone Age, I've succeeded in my life. And I think, I think the government appreciates that. They know what I'm trying to do, and they, they do know, with my correspondence with them, they screwed up big time. And I've been told they've actually stopped working on some of these dumbs, these cave systems. Um, they have enough for a nuclear war if we stumble into one, but um, the the whole idea of saving their ass during ice ages, you can forget it. One of the geologists that are part of our team used to work for a Park Service, part of USGS. He found evidence of glaciers in Arizona. Interesting. Well, of course, we have... Yeah, Evidence of uh, fossilized forests in Antarctica, so things have definitely uh, shifted around uh, throughout the I can explain history. That. I can explain that. Again, it's a case of people who've done very poor research. <clears throat> Our Earth was closer to the sun the time of the dinosaurs and before that, because the star creates the planet. And then every nova, this dust shell, moves the planet a little further out. Eventually, we're going to be on the same orbit as Mars, and it gets bad after that. So, you don't want to go to Mars and think you colonize it. That's already been done, and they probably came here. So, the the uh, what you got to do is build the shelters near the equator. Now, why did they have evidence of fossil plants and stuff like that in the North and South Pole areas? Well, one, it, we had a larger continent called Gangwana, and it later broke up and created a couple other names, which I don't want to go into. But they, the only places that was cool enough you could have plant life and life was towards the poles. 
until the earth was far enough away from the sun that it can do it <clears throat> and you have life that's why you got an excess of you know life that you can't figure out now how come you have it in the north pole you know or northern canada and siberia why that's the reason why you can't assume the earth has always had this orbit once you understand this phenomenon what's going on and the dust shell pushes the earth and all the plants a little further away from the sun this is a story a grand story of evolution you must evolve upward you must evolve to the truth of how the universe really works at that point you cannot escape the idea of an operating system who we call God so the atheists in general they like my idea of the die hole and a created reality they don't like the uh, the word God but they like the word operating system they can comprehend that so but it's it's what it comes down to what I showed in the books and in video series seven where I have this cycle showing up in time let's get the crap out of you the only conclusion you can come to we've got an operating system that's making things happen so what he wants to have done at the end he wants people to survive this thing but he wants to survive them on his terms not on anybody else's like i said it's a complicated story so before we get there um on this program we've covered uh, on a number of occasions um the comet the comet impact hypothesis uh, for the end of the last ice age which is a, a convenient source of energy to melt uh, the glaciers of course there's no real uh, descriptor as to how the ice age is formed um, but if we if we look at the sun noving as the as the source of this energy to melt the, the meltwater a lot of the other geological forms would fall into play um, are you so are you suggesting that uh, the end of the last ice age may have also been a result of one of these solar nova? Uh, yes, the, the nova, see, once you find the clock cycle, and I, and in the Judgment book in chapter eight, I, I, I timed it with carbon 14 dating, both volcanic activity and glacial activity. And it was perfect through all the way to 72,000 years ago. So like six cycles. And once you find the cycles, you can take this hypothesis of a comet hitting the Earth and causing this, and like they had in the picture in the movie uh, 2012, comet hits it and you see this fireball going around the world. This is beyond stupid. I'll explain why. <laughs> the, the comet that Alvarez had, in the journal article, Alvarez never even mentions a comet at all. Uh, but at the time, this comet supposedly hit the Earth. The Yucatan Peninsula, where it says it was hit, was underwater. Uh, sorry, we're, we're talking water. No flame. Forget it. It would have hit water. It would have been no flame whatsoever. But it's a localized thing anyway. It's not, it cannot wrap itself around the world. And it says that is incredibly stupid. It knows nothing about inverse square law or energy patterns. Nothing. They know nothing. So sorry that you're you're talking about the Chicxulub uh, impact there. I'm I'm referring more to the the end of the last ice age, uh, you know, which 
conveniently, according to your, uh, your clock cycle, is about 12,000 years ago. Um, and so that, again, sort of uh, provides some credibility to the, the Gleisberg cycle that you've identified. The, uh, I've heard articles of, there's one that some, some people wind up saying that they found a meteor impact in Greenland. Well, I got news to you. Um, I, I, I covered that in one of, in series four. That impact was millions of years ago, not 12,000 years ago. There's actually a riverbed that ran through the thing. The last time the Greenland had an ice, had, was, had no ice and had a river running through it was tens of millions of years ago. You got the picture? So th they should know that. I mean, you see the riverbank, you know, by um, ground penning radars, how they just detected the everything, including the, uh, the uh, meteor impact. They're supposed to know that. I mean, and connect it and say, we got a river bank and, and we can see the riverbeds, you know, ran through the thing. And, you know, it can't be 12,000 years ago. It's just, but they're either they're overtly lying to cover up the story. They're trying to find, like Lewis, Lewis Alvarez actually made a deliberate error in the paper the journal paper that he wrote about this uh, um, iridium he found in in sedimentary layers in Italy and also other parts of Europe. And this is after he got my book. And they had to come up with an alternate explanation. He makes a deliberate error. He says, he doesn't talk about an impact. He talks about a stellar nova, a nova someplace. Now, he says, I can explain. A parsec is the distance between the Earth, the Sun, and the nearest star, which is three point two six one five six light years. Don't ask me when I remember. And he winds up saying in the article, "Look for this star, point one parsecs from the Earth." Mm -hmm. But there's no stars there. What's the only star? Yeah. Oh, the sun. it's the Sun. He makes this deliberate mis error. He knows what he's doing. But they don't change his article at all because he's a Nobel Prize winner in physics. They don't dare. And also, he's a member of this uh, Jason group, which does top secret research stuff for the military and intelligence community. And I discovered that later. Um, the only part was disturbing about Luis Alvarez, he, he used to frequent Bohemian Grove, really weird group. <laughs> I want to murder people, be really strange people. Anyway, um, that's it. I mean, they'll, they'll come, with, come up with all kinds of crazy stories, blatant lies, like global warming is caused by your HOV, uh, your cars, you're breathing too much cow farts, fill in the blanks, come up with some excuse. It's now so we can charge and the bureaucracy can charge taxes on somebody. But they don't understand they're doing, all of them are doing a tremendous disservice, even to themselves, by not telling the truth. 
So given this event, which is uh, on our somewhat near horizon and, and uh, is rather cataclysmic in nature, um, with the oceans traversing the continents and so forth, and then the, and the backsplash, um, is there a way to prepare what's coming? Uh, is this a survivable event? And, and what are your suggestions? Uh, I go through that in video series four, I think part five, I go through it. The only way after reading all the legends and mythologies, and believe me, I spent at least a year and a half, two years in the UCLA stacks reading this stuff. That was when I was doing rea uh, reality revealed. Um, the ones who survived it, survived it in the caves, in caves. <clears throat> The key part of survival, and the reason why I think maybe a couple of thousand people worldwide did survive it, regardless of what the anthropologists say, a couple of thousand tops, is because they didn't know when it was going to happen, and they didn't know the whole picture of what's going to happen. They didn't know about the flood. So if you're in a natural cave, natural caves are usually formed in limestone deposits, and usually it the cave entrance goes slopes down. You got a cave, an ocean rushing over you. You don't have a solid door on that thing. What's going to happen to the water? It's going to rush in and drown them. And they have found caves where piles of animal bones and human bones are all together in the cave. Gee, how do they all get there? Well, now you know why. So <clears throat> that's what you're looking at. So. I realized you had to worry about the snow. You had to worry about if you're in, in, in um, East Coast of Africa, you're going to have to worry about heat also from the sun. Um, and so, therefore, the door, the cave system door, is the most important to keep this stuff out. If you can survive the first couple of weeks, good chance you're going to survive this thing. <clears throat> the people inside are going to survive. If you have enough food saved up and stuff like that. And, and so have you, is there a prediction in terms of which uh, side of the face of the earth is going to be uh, exposed to the blast? Do we have that predicted or calculated? Yeah. It's, I estimate the, the, the magnetic North Pole is heading towards roughly Nova Zimbla, which is a longitude running through Russia, Saudi Arabia, Indian Ocean. And I think that's where it's going to do because it's rushing at about 30 to 50 miles per year in that direction. And it's going to come to that location um, in about 20 to 30 years. <laughs> so it's logical to think it's going to be maybe that they give us an indication it's going to be there. So the only way to know for sure is I'd have to go back to the Sinai, dig it up, the cave, get the ark to work, and see what he says. Maybe he'll tell us which, which longitude is going to be high noon when this thing goes, and I'd like to know which side, <coughs> which longitude is going to get the, the dust shell when it hits. Those things are, are, are important. Right. 
And so really this is, um, I would imagine that these caves would need to be at a certain elevation as well. I mean, obviously if you're at present, present day sea level, you've got a much bigger problem than if you're at the top of a mountain. Top of the mountain makes it, uh, it makes it difficult to actually build a cave. And you have, I showed some of the mining equipment you need and you're not getting that in the top of a cave. You could be just a couple hundred feet uh, or hundreds of so feet from the bottom of the valley floor. The valley floor is going to get washed out. Eventually, you're going to be in that cave, watertight doors and door jam. That's why the foundations <clears throat> were raising money. And I have a guy named Steve, who's who's a concrete expert. He's developing a concrete that's going to be over 20,000 PSI. Hmm. And you're going to need for the door jam, maybe for the door. I'm going to go to some of the major engineering companies to give us a quote for design, building uh, several for testing and the whole, the whole nine yards to find out. And then I'll, I'll go to the government for, for grant money. Something tells me I'm not going to have a hard time getting it. Interesting. Interesting. But I don't, I don't see the U S government going to, let's say Brazil or some of these foreign countries where you can within a certain range of the, of the, uh, uh equator and say, gee, why don't we want to go build a whole bunch of tunnels for you? <laughs> why? Uh, well, we can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably will we'll let a nonprofit foundation do that, so their fingerprints aren't on it. <clears throat> so this is it's a uh, th this is a survivable event then with preparation. You can you think? Excellent. I'm glad you mentioned this, God. Everybody listening to this is a survive is a descendant from a survivor from this event. 12,000 years ago. We wouldn't be here unless somebody went through this disaster and their descendants went through it and suffered through it to get to this point. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. All of us are descendants of the few survivors. For their sake, we should try to survive, okay? Interesting. <clears throat> And so would I be correct in stating that our present civilization is likely uh, the only advanced Earth civilization in history that doesn't have a deep awareness of the cyclical nature and the real potential of uh, cosmic uh, catastrophes here on Earth? 12,000 years ago, there's a story of Atlantis. I believe there probably was some advanced civilizations probably in India as well as someplace in the Atlantic. And uh, they knew parts of it. They didn't have an exact date. God, in essence, has given us an exact date. And it's only because of how I discovered it and found it. Otherwise, we wouldn't know an exact date. We wouldn't know when to go into the caves and close the doors and what to save up. That's the sad part of this whole thing. I don't know how I wound up getting pushed into this. But it's, it, this is a result of me spending way too much time reading journal articles and spending way too much time in, in libraries. And somehow I f figured this whole thing out. I don't know why, how it happened to me. Interesting. And it seems to me as well that many of these prior civilizations had a preoccupation with monitoring the heavens and uh, created a yeah. tremendous record etched into stone and monolithic architecture. 
Um, Gobleki Tepe is an interesting, more recent example, which seems to have been uh, perhaps uh, created by the survivors of this last great cataclysm. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on some of these, uh, I guess, the symbology and, and the, the, the nature of these um, finds? Uh, again, it's, it's back to what the legends say also. The physical evidence is there that mirrors the legends. They're building these things to save their rear ends. They knew something bad was going to happen. Now, I mentioned in 2035, we might have multiple Carrington events that are two or three times worse than the one 150 years ago. When these things started happening, I think the people knew something terrible is going to happen with this sun. And they knew it was getting hotter. The growing season was changing. And they started building earthen dirt, earthen mounds, and a whole lot of other stuff. When you start building of dirt with dirt, you know it's out of haste. I'm trying to give them, I've been trying to do this for like 30 or 40 years, and I'm a lousy person when it comes to promoting my ideas and my books, because I had a business to run and to make a living. Like everybody else, I had to make a living. So um, it's too bad. I didn't have somebody to promote this stuff better than I could. And so we're running out of time, especially if we start having Carrington events, even in this cycle, in two years, this is not going to be a pretty picture, but. Um, so, sorry, uh, I, I, I didn't quite catch that. You're, you're considering that we may have some large scale Carrington type events in 2024. Was that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say that is this. 150 years ago, the magnetic field of the Earth, and we assume the Sun, was pretty high and stable. But now it's collapsing. What's going on in the center of the Earth is also happening in the center of the Sun. So it's creating a lot more voltage in the center, which is a lot more heat. So um, we're going to have more sunspots. Now, the one just before the sunspots before the cycle, you know, the one that happens 2035 is going to be a disaster, you know, a lot. And in fact, I know for a fact by people that I work with, one of my team, that the contractors who were building these shelters and things that went into the shelters, they were told by the government they're preparing for a Carrington event. But really, it wasn't. That's the excuse they gave the contractors. But it's not that at all. Yes, that's going to happen, the Carrington events. But it's really the Nova and survival of part of the human race. You can't save everybody, don't think you can be, because even after the reversal, and you make it through the beginning of the Ice Age, the Earth is not going to be able to support a large population. Now, some of the legends say <clears throat> people were eating frozen animals, I'm afraid maybe people do, that were in, encapsulated in the glaciers. In the ice during 19th and 18th century the russians were mining mastodon ivory by the way they're doing it now because there's a, a an outlaw of of african ivory they're, they're getting ivory from mastodons that are stuck in the permafrost and the permafrost is melting so they have no problem finding them so it's probably probably a better source of ivory if uh, the chinese really need uh, ivory chopsticks it's, it's a little brown, but 
it's really cool. That's amazing. But that's what's going on. It's just, you know, what do, what do I say? It's a, um, I, I don't know what to say, but the, the event is just that terrible. It's an extinction event, maybe for the human race. Yes, yes. So, so, so the mainstream science is is predicting the the this solar cycle to be uh, a lower uh, total solar irradiance, and uh, you know many researchers are talking about a grand solar minimum coming along, uh, and you're suggesting that it's actually the opposite. When they say that, if they have on YouTube, just laugh at them. It's just it's like the lie that NASA's saying and why they fired uh, Thomas Gold when he said, you know, the, the, uh, uh, a near novel could explain all the things that he saw on the moon. So it's the same thing. Remember, they're covering it up. They're covering it up because what it means, they don't want to create public panic. And I don't either. That's why I don't, I don't openly try to promote the book. It's only like people yourself contact me. I'll do an interview. Okay, I'll do an interview. I don't know how many people watch your stuff, but certainly none of the big networks are going to put me on. No. Uh, I am the third rail for almost everybody. <laughs> Considering how much I know and which subjects and what things I destroy sacred cows, from religion to physics to science and stuff like that, nobody wants to hear this. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I I feel you. I feel you. Um, so many of our previous civilizations were preoccupied with the development understanding of human consciousness, the purpose of life, and the mystery of death. Why do you feel that our present civilization has moved so far away from this quest and this understanding? It's very simple. Again, it's back to Aristotelian philosophy. The, the, the physicists, most of them, the scientists are atheists. They want to be gods. It's so nice to be God, you know, sit in front of a classroom and be dictator in front of a whole bunch of students. It's, it's really uplifting for them. But I think that's the problem. It's, it's ego. And certain segments of the society have, have turned away from religion that there is no God. They're atheists and government is their God. That's why I'm so against socialism, communism and national socialism. They're basically government wants to be God. That's, that's the problem. They, the, the politicians and the government want to be God. They're going to decide how much money you can have. One Democrat politician actually said that. We'll decide how much money they have. Lovely guy, isn't he? Well, you know, the, the CCP explicitly has said that, uh, you know, part of the reason that they don't allow religion is because that would usurp the state's role as the, in, the, in that people's minds as the, you know, the head of their their purpose and, and uh, uh, their information. It's so nice to be right, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, our, our, our present civilization also is, is very, uh, there's not a great deal of concern about the mystery of consciousness and the purpose of life. Uh, would you agree? And do you think this is part of our, also our problem in terms of how we're, we seem to be lost? I, I actually cover that in, was it part, series one, part 11. 10 and 11 are kind of grouped together, but 11 covers that. Um, the, the other thing that proves how this all works, where you have a physical body and you have what we call a soul. In, in curling photography, there's a phenomenon called the phantom leaf effect. 
uh, I've known the scientist in Brazil who did the phantom leaf effect where the top of the leaf is cut off. He corresponded to me and I corresponded to him. He loved my stuff. He said it's the only explanation. Same thing that was true for Thelma, Thelma Moss. She was having a little bit of time, a hard time creating a, a phantom. She did create some. And then I told her the success we had and with a um, frequency counter and measuring frequencies of leaves and stuff like that. And then she tried matching the frequency that she'd find on a, on a frequency counter to the function generator that sent a high, volt, a high frequency voltage through the plates and they put a cutoff leaf in there. It was never a remnant of, the, the scientists could only wind up saying that, oh, there must have been a, a remnant from one before they cut the top of the leaf off. That's not the case, it's a total lie because they know what it represents. Once you see a phantom, part of the leaf, after you've cut it off, and it's you still see it for about two or three seconds, I got news to you. You can take your physics books and throw them in the garbage. That proves you've got two signals, two carrier waves. One, that has to do with the matter that makes up that leaf. And the second one is what we call our consciousness. So where's our consciousness? You're getting to the point of where do you really do your thinking? Because you have stories of people have died on a operating table, but they see everything. They know everything that's going on. And sometimes they get revived. And they, they told a group of psychologists, Raymond Mooney and a couple others, very good. I mentioned who they are in, in the video. <clears throat> the only way that can physically be is that the information that makes up your consciousness exists in a time and space, in a die hole, and it's transmitted to this reality. I'll give you an example on a personal level. My, I had a friend, Jeff Oaken. My friend Jeff was vivacious and also 600 to 700 pounds. Finally died. His father was a full bird colonel in the Air Force. He retired and lived in uh, Palm, Sp Palm, uh, Palm Springs. And Jeffrey lived in Van Nuys. And when he died, he appeared in the bedroom where his father was, father and mother was, and said, I'm okay, uh, and the dog can see me. Uh, the dog was a Pekingese, and the dog started barking. That can, Jack Oaken saw his son after he died, appeared, and then disappeared. It was the last message. And the only way that can be, again, is that our consciousness doesn't die. This is a story of evolution of your soul through many life cycles. You're supposed to pick up, learn something, how the universe really works, what's, what's God's or the operating system's relationship to the universe. So you can finally figure out this polar reversal and cataclysm disaster. That's what happens. A lot of people have had the same stuff. This is not a unique between Jeff and, and his father or and people out of body experience and stuff like that. It's not. This is worldwide. Everybody. Even this even the idea of deja vu. When you I think I'm the only one you're able to figure out deja vu. For a split second, for a second or two, you get the feeling I've dreamt this before. It's usually a totally innocuous thing you're looking at or doing. <clears throat> and it doesn't happen too often. So the reason that you're having is this one. 
for some reason the die hole there's an error you perceive the information instantly from your thinking in the die hole and then you get the same image from your physical senses your sight smell hearing a second or so later so you're getting it's like audio feedback you're getting the signal twice you're perceiving it twice and that's what happens that's deja vu I've read the other explanations for it. They're nonsense. Just forget it. Too many variables involved. Interesting. So, so, to answer your question, I think you got the answer. Yeah. Really, we exist in two different, actually three different places at the same time. As information in the die hole is, as a computer program, as a routine, a transmission dimension, and then finally a created dimension in the fourth, fifth, or sixth dimension. That's us. We're fourth dimensional beings. Interesting. So, uh, Mr. Voigt, how would you recommend that people speak to their family and peers on regarding this subject matter to create the greatest degree of understanding about the facts and, and to create a realization that they've been lied to? Uh, a lot of my fans try to tell relatives, close relatives, their children, friends. <clears throat> Some will take to it some don't want to hear it and that's the problem <clears throat> uh raymond mooney and one of the other was had hypnotized people back to before they were born and this is how i'm going to answer your question and it's like a spirit guide told them this is a universal story told them that you should reincarnate now because things are going to change philosophies are going to change it's going to be world different and so people were then a soul was then reincarnated and married to a physical body and that's what happened so in other words uh many of us subconsciously know something's going to happen i get all the time people who have had dreams uh strong vivid dreams of the reversal some of other events also it's the same thing what's going on it's just it, it all points to our consciousness our soul is being is still exists in that die hole with or without a physical body and that goes for all of us except that you're unusually evil and the list I'd have in mind is pretty long the operating system may just decide this particular subroutine is so defective, I'm going to cancel it, and it will never reincarnate again. And thank God, I hope it doesn't. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there's a, a bunch of the world leaders presently that fit into that category. I think before sure. the end, I think before the end, a lot of really evil people show up here, and they still do the same crap they did 12,000, 24, 36,000 years ago. At some point, God's going to say. This soul is so defective, it's going into the bit bucket. <laughs> That's it. That's it for that one. <clears throat> so uh, what, what research areas are you uh, planning to pursue here in the future? What, what's on the horizon for you? Well, I'm trying to finish ver uh, volume four, which basically fixes more of the Jewish religion. And uh, uh, I'm extracting the lies that the first king of Israel did besides what the Pisos did also in the first and second century. But 
actually, what Jeobaum did was almost wor actually worse than what the Pisos had managed doing. But the Pisos actually fell into a trap that evidently God had planned for it, the them, by this lie that Jeobaum put in there. He, sw he swapped holidays, basically, about three or four of the holidays, because he adopted the pagan calendar. But I'll go into it in volume four. It basically is the last of my Jewish stuff, uh, basically to fix the Jewish religion. The other ones are all going to go by the wayside. And once you know you have been lied to and your ancestors have been lied to, you'll, you'll get rid of it like you flush a toilet. I'm done with it. And closest one that describes reality and existence is the Jewish religion. Not what the basic philosophy, but not the ceremonies and stuff like that. Some have to go because they were superimposed on us. Okay. So they'll hate me too. I mean, I don't care if the most hated person on the planet, but I'll be the most loved ones of the survivors. Sure. So I, I, I can't worry about it. I don't, I don't care. I, I can't tell a lie. I'm not going to, you're going to know the truth whether you like it or not, because that's the only way people are going to be survive this horrible event and the animals too. I mean, humans got to save some of these animals. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So how can listeners learn more about you and your work? Where, where would I direct them? YouTube search for die hold foundation for the channel D I E H O L D foundation. And you'll see, I think 56 is something like that videos. <clears throat> and if you send me an email, to info at Dival Foundation. I'll put you on the mailing list. So when I do a video, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, I'll send you a notice one to two days after I put it up. Okay. Okay. Excellent. I'll put that into the show notes then. Uh, well, well, Mr. Boyd, it's been a very fascinating discussion. I appreciate your time today. Uh, there's certainly a couple other topics here that uh, in the future, if you have some time, we'd love to uh, uh, touch base on as well, uh, including your... Sure your, um, uh, uh, I guess, dissecting or, or examination of the Hebrew alphabet uh, and your, uh, your thoughts on consciousness. It's all, all very interesting subjects. Thank you. Um, you can also see the stuff on vectorpub.com or dieholefoundation.com. Okay. Also, yeah, that's, okay. that's it. It's, it's a big subject. It's, I'm trying to give people the education we should have gotten when we went to school not the brainwashing they've been doing. Yeah, well, that's that's the, the purpose of this program. You know, knowledge is power. And if you choose not to inform yourself, that's uh, that's your own folly. And if you, uh, you want to know the truth, then uh, there's many sources to uh, reveal it to you. How true. <laughs> but you have to, you can't be lazy about it. You have to, you have to read. And, and with my stuff, you're going to have to go through many of the videos and you realize how they're all related um, and some are scary believe me uh, most of my fans they've coped with it you'll go through basically the three stages of, of grief I'm not kidding I mean that you all will uh, the final stage is accepting it and then doing something about it yeah Whether yeah, it be, well, you know, save your children <laughs> and people should continue saving having kids because the kids that are born now they're gonna be like 24 years old these are the ones that are probably going to get saved. Right, right. And be in prime condition to replenish the earth. 
you got the idea. Don't stop having kids. Just make sure they get a very good, meaningful education. You know, uh, something they can really do and something that people will need. It could even, you know, not just physics and chemistry and geology, but really things like building, carpentry, plumbing, electrical. Agriculture. Things you need. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, so that's... Yes, fantastic. Well, it, it's like I say, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. Um, let's keep in touch, and uh, I'll get this uh, information into the uh, show notes for people to continue their research on you. And uh, uh, God bless, and have a great day. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. You too.